Moses sends out 12 men, and all of these are leaders. They're handpicked from each of the tribes, so they're very influential. Understand that, that we're all leaders. No, 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 I'm not. Oh, yeah, you are. Leadership is only influence, and there's people that you influence, and the way that you talk about something, you know, every day influences other people. So, so the parallel here is these people are leaders. They have extreme influence in the tribes that they belong to. That's why they're kind of representatives, senators, so to speak, or whatever. And they've traveled through the promised land from the start to the finish of it, these 40 days, and they come back, and now they're giving the report. Let me see your hand if you've ever read this story before. Okay, so pretty much everybody. But I want to read it again and show you maybe something maybe you've saw before. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but, but I want to show you that most people don't do anything. I said most people don't do anything that they're not made to do. You, you ask a lot of people, well, how much savings account do you have? I, I don't have very much. Oh, but what do you do? You pay your mortgage every month, and you are developing a savings account because of the equity in your house. You had to make that payment every month. Or what happens? They come and take it away from you. So you, you're made to do that. Uh, and, and some people will, you know, <laughs> eat junk food and all of this stuff, but they're 26 until the doctor says, you keep doing that, you're going to die. And all of a sudden they stop doing that, because they are made to do that. They don't want the consequences of it. Uh, you know, they, in relationships, they, they might get to the place where they say, I, I don't have any friends. Well, what do you do? You're rude. Quit being rude. Well, I don't care what people say. That's why you don't have any friends. That went over like a rat sandwich. I know that. All right. So here we have the influential people, and they're told, go spy out the land and see if it's a good land. Show us, the, 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 is the people strong or weak? But, but again, remember that Moses never says, when you come back with the report, give us your opinion if you think that we should go in and take the promise. But they assume that, that that was their responsibility. <laughs> Understand that, you're reading this, and, and you're going you're gonna to say, I already know what's going to happen, but can you please try just in your imagination to pull back a little bit like this is your first time? These 12 guys are like Superman to their tribes. They're the influencers. They're the ones that are going to go in, and they're going to stand on the Word of God, right? No. Numbers 30, verse 27. We went to the land to which you sent us, and oh, this is out of the message translation. The word, oh, with exclamation mark. It does flow with milk and honey. Just look at this fruit, because it already brought back these huge grapes. Has anybody seen those uh, pictures of the people coming, the spies coming back with the grapes? I don't know if they're that big, but boy, let me tell you, they did look good, didn't they? Look, okay, back on the story. Look at the fruit. The only thing is, you see, it's kind of like Satan in the garden. Did God really say that? A little fear, a little doubt, a little unbelief, a little uncertainty. It's the FUD that we've talked about before. 
The only thing is that the people who live there are fierce. Their cities are huge and well-fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak. The Amalekites are spread out in the Negev. Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites hold the hill country, and the Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan. Now, this is going south quick because of the influence that this guy, that whoever's talking is a negative guy. One of the negative guys is Shumu. You don't know that because we usually don't remember those guys because soon after this, they die of a plague. Those 10 spies that are negative. Die, gone, done. Don't be that guy. Don't be the Shamu. But the two guys, Caleb and Joshua, that are the faith, what we use as examples to yourself, John Miller, or whoever you are, Caleb is one of them, and he inspires us. We're reading about this guy years later. Eventually, after they wander in the wilderness 40 years, he's like 80-some years old, and he goes, I can take that mountain, even though he's an older guy. So he inspires us even earlier on in his life, and he interrupts this negative report that's coming out, and he speaks pretty, pretty strong. Now, now, again, let's get over here on a parallel to your life and my life. Are you able to stop an, a bully or a negative influencer in a group of people at work or something? Go, hey, hey, hey you know, doing, doing it with a little tact. You're wrong. You're a jerk. I didn't say that. That don't work. But if you go, hey, hey, I don't know. Let me give you another perspective. This is what Caleb's doing. Pretty strong in this. He says this. He interrupted, called for silence. Because I'm sure they're all murmuring. He called for silence before Moses and said, let's go up and take the land now. We can do it. I mean, it's not like, let's wait a couple weeks. Let's think about it. Let's just do it. The negative voices, and usually the loudest voices in the room, I didn't say the right voices, but the loudest voices in the room will usually be the strongest emotion. Remember that. Because you might be influenced by someone that's just loud and very confident. They're dead wrong. In verse 31, it said, But the others said, We can't attack those people. They're way stronger than we are. And then they begin to spread a scary, or scary rumors about the people of Israel. Well, what's a scary rumor? Just use your imagination. I don't know. You don't know. But scary is usually spreading fear. What, what did they fear will eventually come out of their mouth? The next chapter, we're going to hear what the scary report was. And that's what, it, what, what the scary report was, is our wives are going to be raped and, and taken as sex slaves and our children as slaves, and we're going to be killed. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty scary thought. Now, now, not to just dwell on that point, but whatever your scary point is that the enemy could do in your life, don't spread a scary report to yourself. 
You can do that by just allowing yourself to think about that. You know, I tell you what, I'm, I'm scared because this could happen. Because what happens is that, that fear takes momentum and begins to become real. This, that was no more real in these people's life than if they went in there and conquered it. But that's what they believed, so that was the reality. So they spread scary rumors, and then it says that they're talking. It says, we scouted out the land from one end to the other. It's a land that swallows people whole. Everybody we saw was huge. Why we, do you hear all the, the we, so just like all the people listening, you're going to be too. We even saw the Nephilim giants, the Enneke giants come from the Nephilim alongside with uh, alongside them, we feel like grasshoppers. I, I, I've heard this sermon, I've preached this sermon, and this is what is so parallel to our lives. It, and I'll say it again. It's what they felt like in their own identity of who they were. We, we felt like they weren't grasshoppers. Let's clear that up. They just felt like grasshoppers. And they look down on us as if we were grass. The enemy is always going to look down on you to the, you know, and, and if you say that, you're right. I'm not telling you anything that, of a mystery, but are you going to receive what the enemy speaks? Satan, Lucy, fur, you know, that guy? Now, sometimes you need to get out of that environment, and you might today think, you know, I, I'm around a lot of people that are, you know, they try to be good, but they try to be just realistic, but really in a way they're just negative. And sometimes you need to get up and sit over at the winner's table because the conversation is a whole lot different. I just thought that quote, there was something else in my mind that was going to go on in the body. Yeah! Wow. Ooh, write that down. Right? Can I say it again? Sometimes that when you feel that you're the grasshopper, you need to look around you because the people that you're sitting with, you need to get up and sit at the winner's table because the conversation is going to be different. Caleb and Joshua are going, we can do it. Can I go a step further and say this? If you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, you don't have a circle, you have a cage. And you begin to hear that over and over. Now, let me say, I'm not talking about your husband. I'm not talking about your wife. Come on. They might be negative as Shamu. But I'm, for the record, saying I'm not talking about your husband. So if you're the husband talking about negative today, I'm not talking about you. But I hope the Holy Spirit talks to you. Quit that. There's two million that they say possibly are there, and you got two of them. You got the leaders that are the 12, and only two of them. They can see by faith that they can take the promise that's already been offered them. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Now, now here's what I want us to learn today. 
And we're talking about the blessing on the promise that God has already given us. A lot of times when I read this passage of scripture and, and I apply it to my life in my you know quiet time, Bible study, whatever you want to call it, I, I always think that they actually out of their eyes are saying they're bigger than us. They have more weapons. They have more military experience. But when it's boiled down, I mean, when you come to the, it's all what's going on right here. It, it happens in my life. We all have a belief system, and out of our belief system, we'll make choices, and how those choices will put us in experiences. Now, now listen to this, because it's so important that they had a belief system that physically, that was their limitation. The next generation will understand it had nothing to do with their physical strength. But it, it was all up here, the ability to believe what God had already spoken over their life. If they would cross that threshold of pain and go, I've got to be vulnerable, realizing that I am not strong enough to take on a giant. But by faith of what God has already spoken over my life, there's not a giant out there big enough. Now, come on, come on, don't go to sleep on me. Think about this. Here's David years later, and he's probably read this story a hundred times or, or, you know, been taught it. And what comes back to my mind is he comes on the scene and here's Goliath. You are nothing up there, you big bunch of sissies. You know, whatever Goliath was yelling every morning and night. But David has a different perspective. And here's my opinion. I think the different perspective is because Samuel's anointed him already as king, even though he's a boy. Now he's going to be a king. He says, that giant can't kill me if I'm going to be king one day. I'm bulletproof. So let's go parallel it to our life. Has God promised you something in your life that you are hesitant to believe? Are you seeing the problem more than the, the, the solution or the, the walking it out by faith, even though I'm not strong enough? God doesn't ask you, are you strong enough? He's asking, do you believe me? Do you remember when Lazarus died and Jesus shows up and says to the sisters, and, and the sisters are saying, if you'd only been here. And Jesus saying, he's going to live. And they're going, if you'd only been here. Do you believe me? Come on, lady. Well, I believe he's going to raise, you know, be rosen or whatever, raised from the dead, and the, you know, later in the. Do you believe he's going to be raised right now? Here's a story that here's these guys, and, and they just can't see it. And because they can't see it, they want to make sure everybody else can't see it. But but if you look and. I'm going to go through this because of time, and we're going to honor our graduates in a few minutes. But I, I just want to, I want to show you. This has been a promise that's been on the books for generations. Do, do you know that? Come on now. If you've heard this story, surely you know that God had already promised their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. I don't know if I have enough greats or too many greats in there, but Abraham. 
the, the whole series that we started, and we, we went through Abraham of being blessed, and God sets him apart and says, I, I'm going to be your God, and, and you'll be my people if you if you do this, and, and I'll do this, and I'll be your shield, I'll be, be your protection. I, I'm going to bless you. Why? So that you can be a blessing to the world. Does anybody beside me remember that? But do you realize, just go down a couple more verses in verse 7, and God says this. In Genesis 12, 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. What he's saying is, I'm going to, first time, I'm going to bless you. And part of the blessing is your descendants are going to, he doesn't even have a son yet. That's why he becomes the father of a faith because he believes he's not perfect. But he gets to the point of changing his mind to believe in God, even to the point of sacrificing his son. If you never heard, he does not sacrifice his son. If you're here and you never heard the end of that story, he doesn't sacrifice his son because God provides, but he's an obedient follower of God to be able to even offer to do that. And then if you think about it, if you know the story of Lot, the second time is when his nephew and him are squabbling and they're going to separate and, and Lot chooses the best of the country and he's left with not so great of country. And I don't know if God was trying to encourage him, but at that time too, God said, hey, I want you to see all of it. I'm going to give it to your descendants. That's a promise that was confirmed, number two. Then later, after years that he doesn't have a son, he starts to think, and he says, I'm going to have to give all my, my possession, my inheritance. I don't have any children that God, you promised. I'm going to have to give it to my chief slave, servant, Eleazar, whatever. And, and God says, no, no, no. What I promised you is going to come to pass. Now listen, I am going to give you all this land as an inheritance to your children. Number three. There's four times that in the scripture. Anyway, I could read that, but four times in the scripture that he says, I will give it to your descendants. That is a verbal tradition that is passed down, and Moses writes it down. And he's, they, the people of Israel knew that, even when they went into slavery for 400 years. One of the prophecies was you're going to go in for 400 years, but then you're going to come out and you're going to get the land flowing with milk and honey. That's why they began to look for a deliverer. Moses shows up, you know, the little baby in a, in a little ark floating down, the, all that story, and he becomes uh, the, the leader of the uh, people of God. They go to the promised land, and this is what happens. The scouts come back. We can't do it. Is everybody with me? They're at a place that they're just going to walk out the promise. Now, now think about this. The difference between who you are right now and what you want to be is what you're doing. It's the habits that you have created in your life. It's that consistent belief system that you come up on the door of believing one of the promises of God in your life and you pull back. It's a system that you've created that you have to have breakthrough and you have to be to the point of, everybody knows obedience isn't easy. But you got to go, God, this is vulnerability. Those are some big giants. And whatever the parallel is in your life, the problems that everybody can see a problem, 
But as I've said before, you're not the bird dog that just says, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. Did everybody see the problem? But you're anointed to solve the problem. The Holy Spirit living and residing in you, it has the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. What? I never heard that before. Hear down. Ephesians chapter 1, read it. So here these guys are, and, and they're all... But, but did they, why are they not going in? Why do they not? Maybe they thought that promise was just for Abraham and not for two million people. Have you ever thought, well, I, that promise might just be for that group of people over there or for that time period, but is it really for me? Be honest with yourself. Do you pull up because you're not convinced as, as an illustration in this scripture, it says that Moses, even in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, as they're coming out of Egypt, you, you know, I'll be honest with you. When I'm reading this, I'm thinking, why would anybody come out of Egypt if they thought they were going to, you know, just live in the wilderness? Surely they knew coming out of Egypt, the reason we're coming out is so that we can go in. They get to the promised land and they pull up. We can't go in. Did anybody ask them the consequences? So what you're saying is it's best just to walk around in the wilderness? Some of us need to watch this because in our life, maybe, and I'm not being judgmental, but some of us might be just wandering around. In Exodus 6.6, 6, it says, Therefore says, Say to the Israelites, God's talking to Moses, I am the Lord. Do you remember singing that song? Some of us need to remind ourselves he's God and we are not. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you. So he's making it specific and personal. It's not about Abraham. It's about you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment, I will Take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of... I mean, he's just... You! I'm not talking about Abraham anymore. I'm talking about you. And he says, I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession... I am the Lord. And then I want you to see verse 9 real quick. It says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Now let me ask you a question. Why did they not listen to him? Now you're looking up on the screen. Surely there was an answer. I didn't know there was a pop test. Well, let me say it again. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him. Here, here's the answer. Because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Can I tell you today, don't let your struggles become your identity. I got one wow. Can I have a second? All in favor, say aye. Don't let your identity become 
everything to you just because of the struggles that you've gone through. The Israelites had become slaves. They knew they were coming out because how do I know that? Because they went to Egypt because of a a, a famine in the time of Joseph that provided for the family of God. Now watch this. Joseph believed the word of God to the point where he says, one day God has promised to give us possession of the, the land, the holy land, Israel. And when that happens, I want you to take my bones. I want, I want to go with them. Did, did everybody hear me? Or was that Jake? That was Joseph. Joseph's bones are going to be taken out of Egypt and that he had believed that was going to happen. Hello? The mindset of a slave that they were in is, wouldn't it be better for us to have stayed in Egypt than to take a risk and believe God for the promises? In our life, please hear me. When it comes to the things of God, he's a big God. He says, challenging me. Challenge me and see if I'm not true. And again, as you will live and work out your own salvation, you have to realize that your belief system has to be lined up with the word of God, not your own experiences and definitely not the experiences of other people in your past. You have to start hanging out with people who fit your future and not your history. Aren't you glad that we're a bunch of winners here at the chapel? I'm speaking over your life. I don't know everybody, but I'm believing by faith that you're a winner and not just thinking, oh, I don't know. Come on. Now, This is where we get to the place next week where we see that the promises, when they're mixed with faith, what happens? But let me say this. When you get to the place of believing God's word and have the expectancy come in your heart, all the FUD can come into, you know, the circumstance around you, the fear, the uncertainty, and the doubt, and you're just, no, I'm not going to believe that. You know, I heard a story about Jack Cole. He's he's one of the evangelists in the 1950s that... uh, had a healing ministry and they did tent ministries and things and and the story was that they asked him to pray over five people that were in wheelchairs and they wheeled in these guys on wheelchairs and he noticed that all five of them didn't have shoes on and he said he said I'm not praying for you for healing until you have shoes so come back tomorrow and I'll pray with you and bring your shoes hello Do you know what he's saying? You better be coming expecting. They came in the next day and all five of them got out of the wheelchair. Can you say amen? How many people would say, I'd like to see that? I don't see anybody's hands up beside mine. I would like to see in your life you get out of the wheelchair. The wheelchair that has held you back at thinking, it just don't work like that anymore. Who's talking to you? It's not God. 
can you help me out a little bit? I know it's getting a little bit late in the deal, but we're a Pentecostal church, so if you have, amen, I'm all for it, okay? I'm not going to look down on it. Good, 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 good. Because I got about an hour and a half in me, but if you amen a little bit more, I think I can tie it up before noon. Okay. Give you a little expectancy. It's in the expectancy that the faith is activated. Listen to me. It's activated, and the miracle happens, and the promise is fulfilled. What are you expecting in your life? Do you really really believe that we have the power of forgiveness in our life? If you say yes, a lot of times it's in walking out our lives that we'll get off track and we'll get into sin and then we'll ask for forgiveness. But there's something that's inside of our mind that says you can never fulfill all that God has. God's not saying that. But it's up to us to really put the promises and mix them with faith. Now, let me end with this thought, and I want you to process this. If you go to Hebrews chapter 4, and I, I just, I want to read this, but this is what Paul was saying. Hey, the people that did not go into the promise, they didn't mix the promise with faith. It was never activated. Therefore, they did not get what was promised to them. But because they did that, that doesn't make God a liar. Well, God didn't fulfill his promise. No, the people didn't mix it with faith. Therefore, they were not able to receive what was promised. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now God has offered us the same promises of entering into his, in the realm of resting and confident faith. The same promise. So we must be extremely careful to ensure, ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. See, we don't have an option not to experience it. Okay. Mm. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those at the chapel who believe, faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm of confident rest. For he said, I was grieved when they had made a solemn oath. They will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. He, he's already done it. He's already finished it. The plan of salvation Again, it was completed on the cross when Jesus says, it is finished. But when the foundation on the seventh day, it is good. It was, it was already set in motion, the goodness and the promises of God in your life. And there's been generations, you realize that? Have you ever seen one of those pictures of black and white? When was that? That was 1836, you know, and they're sitting there, nobody's smiling. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen different cultures? You know, you might go to Eastern Europe, the, the Ukraine, Russia, back in the... You go to China, you know, those older pictures. Some of them are today. Boy, sourpuss. Boy, they just... 
you got grandma in a rocking chair and is she smiling? No, maybe because she didn't have teeth. Maybe, I, I don't know about that. But she's, you got all the gunslingers in the West, you know, and you got pictures of them. Don't let your struggles be your identity. Listen to what we've been talking about. I'm not lucky. I am blessed. And everything I have is because of God's grace and favor in my life. As we put this together and allow time for you to process it, next week I want you to, during this week, I would like you to read Joshua chapter 5. You can read the first five chapters, but chapter 5. And the title of my message is, 40 years later. Oof. And we're going to be talking about a man named Joshua that's been wandering around for 40 years. And he's ready to fight. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't start me. I shared it with Mark and man, it went big. Okay. But the thing is, think about this as we're going to talk about next week. He's ready to fight. And he sees what we know in chapter 5 is the captain of the host, which is Jesus, the manifestation of the Son of God. I'm going to leave hoping that you'll want more. Let's pray. I want our worship team to come up. And we're going to pray, and as we pray, they're going to sing Waymaker. And right now, what you're appropriating by faith, and you're mixing the word of God with over the promises God spoke in your life. Let's pray. He's going to make a way. God, today, you know us better than we know ourselves. And God, you know our blind spots, our weak spots, how fear and uncertainty and doubt has snuck into some of our lives and began speaking that scary rumor that we're not enough. In that core lie that's living in us that we're not enough. Father, you, through your covenant, place the trump card and says, oh yes, you are because of who you are. You're enough. And you are my child. All of your past is gone. You're forgiven of anything that's bad. But I speak, God says, speaks into our lives that we are enough in Him, that we are His masterpieces, as in Ephesians 2.10 says, that we are His masterpieces predestined before the foundations of the earth to